This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I couldn't be more excited about the episode today because it's on a topic that everybody loves, which is salary negotiation. I'm going to interview Josh Duty, who is a computer and electrical engineer with an MBA, who's now a consultant on salary negotiation. And he gave a lot of great tips in this interview. He gave some tools and templates just for our listeners, which I'm really excited about. You'll hear all about that in the interview, which I'm going to jump into in a moment. Before I do, I just want to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam, and I know many of you are, I recommend that you check out PPI. Hands down, they're the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code COACH at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. I also want to just mention we have a community called The Engineering Mastermind. It's at theengineeringmastermind.com. It's just a way for us to carry these podcasts into conversations. So it's a forum where you can come on and ask questions. We do webinars pretty much monthly on different topics. We had an open coaching call last month. Also, we give our members the opportunity to ask questions for different podcasts. So for example, I have a question from one of our members that Josh is going to answer at the end of today's show, and which is a nice feature of the Engineering Mastermind. All right, let me give you a quote related to today's topic from one of my favorite sharks on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. His quote is as follows. So much of life is a negotiation. So even if you're not in business, you have opportunities to practice all around you. All right, now it's time for our main segment of the show, and today we have a topic that is of interest to, I would say, probably all of our listeners, which is salary negotiation, and I have with me here our guest for today's episode, Josh Duty. Josh is a computer and electrical engineer, MBA author, and consultant. He didn't negotiate his salary at his first few jobs, but quickly realized he had left a lot of money on the table. He began negotiating and he doubled his salary in just three years. With the experience and confidence he gained from doubling his own salary, he began helping others drastically increase their salaries as well. He took everything he learned from his own experience and helping others and wrote Fearless Salary Negotiation, a number one bestseller on Amazon. Since he published the book at the end of 2015, Josh has helped many more people earn tens of thousands more dollars Fearless salary negotiation can help you, of course, as well. And that's what we're going to dig in here today. Josh lives and works in Gainesville, Florida, home of the University of Florida. And you can find him at joshduty.com. Josh, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Pleasure to have you. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. All right, Josh. So we're going to get into this topic of salary negotiation, which is always of interest to professionals out there. And we're going to jump into some specific points. But Before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, obviously, I just introduced you. 
What was it that all of a sudden made you decide I could negotiate my salary better? I could increase my salary. What was it? Was it something that prompted that or? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it was two things. I think one was just sort of a slow dawning over my career. You know, by the time I began negotiating, I was, you know, seven or eight years into my career. Um, I had taken a couple of pay cuts along the way to try new things. And it started occurring to me that maybe there was a different way that I could approach, you know, especially the beginning of a new job where I wasn't taking pay cuts or where I could make a, a big jump forward. The second thing was a post that I read by a friend of mine now, but I didn't know him very well then. His name is Patrick McKenzie, and he goes by Patio11 on the internet. But at his website, calzumius.com, he wrote a very long form post that was something like for engineers, you know, be valued, get paid. And it was just a long post that basically said, you should be negotiating. It's not going to move the needle very much for the company for you to do salary negotiation, but it could really materially affect your life. And so this is something that you should do. It's good for you. It's not going to hurt your relationship with the company. And here's how to do it. And that really got me thinking about, huh, maybe that is something I should be doing. And so I started doing that myself and helping other people after that. Awesome. So let's jump into some points here on on salary negotiation. I mean, the first point, which we're going to talk about is interview preparation and how to think about these interviews from the company's perspective, which when it comes to job offers can be an important aspect. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, Josh? Sure. So this is something I think a lot about. And the reason is that obviously before you can negotiate a salary, you have to get a job offer. And ideally you would get a really strong job offer so that you're beginning from a good place for your negotiation. And so I, I spent a long time thinking about how do you get that strong job offer? And I realized that empathy is a, something that can be really helpful there. And what I realized was that companies are not looking usually to just bring people in or to increase headcount. What they're looking to do is help them achieve some sort of goal that they have as a company, which ultimately most companies' goal is you know, profit. But in there are also specific milestones that they're trying to reach, or they have some sort of pain point that they're trying to address. And so I think it's really important when you're approaching an interview to prepare to learn about the company the opportunity that you're interviewing for, and to think about how you can help the company achieve their goals and address their pain points that they might have. And I think that thinking that way, having that mindset going into interviews will really help people excel in the interview, stand out from the crowd and get the best job offer possible. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you go into it, I think you think about a number and that's the extent of it. And you don't think about the psychology or what they're thinking about it, which is obviously a critical part of it. So with that being said, Josh, let's go through some salary negotiation tactics that can help people try to maximize their salary. Absolutely. So also during the interview process, I think the first tactic that I'll share, it has been a little bit controversial, but I stand by it. And that is that during the interview process, you'll often be asked for your salary requirements is how it's described, but your current salary at your current job, and then also your desired salary if you were to take the new job. And my advice is to not disclose either of those numbers. And I think that just sort of saying, you know, I'm interested in this opportunity. I'd rather not talk about where I'm coming from. I'd rather talk about the value that I can add to your company and understand more about what this opportunity is and how I can add value. I think it's much better to take that approach than to disclose your current or desired salary because that can box you in in terms of the potential salary that you could get if you excel in your interview using you know, what we discussed earlier. So I think that's one 
really valuable tactic. It might be the most valuable tactic because you leave the you know universe of possible salaries that you could be offered wide open that way instead of sort of boxing yourself in by declaring early on what it would take to satisfy you. That's a good point. It's something that I get asked all the time by people, should I tell them how much money I make? And obviously you just heard Josh's answer and I agree with it. I mean, I have said in the past that if they really pinched you for it, you could potentially give a range, but I think Josh gives a, a better answer. I mean, if you can focus on the value you can provide, I think that keeps you in a, in a really good position to negotiate. Yeah. And I think to your point about the range, I do want to be clear. I don't see salary negotiation as an adversarial sort of thing, but I do see it as almost a contest of sorts. I mean, the company is trying to get good value. They're trying to get good talent. They're trying to get good value because, again, their goal is usually to make a profit. And, and you have the same kind of set of goals. You want to get a good opportunity at a good salary. So I, I don't think it's adversarial. But you mentioned you know, that you could mention a range. I think that is something that you can do. What I would prefer rather than me giving the range is to say something like, if they continue to press and continue to press, you can say, well, it sounds like you're trying to qualify me for a range. So if that's true, then I'm happy to tell you what I think about the range, which means I'm not committing necessarily to that range, but I'll let you know if you're in the ballpark. Um, and this is me speaking to the company. So I think you could give a range, but I think that it's better to actually ask if they're trying to qualify you for a range and see if they disclose that information. And that can give you a sense of, of where they're coming from. Sounds like a, a very good approach. And good way to give them feedback on a number without having to actually give a number. Right. Exactly. All right. What else you got, Josh? That's the biggie. I also think a few other tactics, one of them is sort of a very broad tactic, but it is when it comes time to negotiate that you should pretty much 100% of the time you should counteroffer. And this is sort of based on my previous advice of not disclosing your current or desired salary. So thinking about it, this is nice because we're talking to engineers here. So I can think about it in a little bit, maybe a wonkier way, right? When they make you a job offer, they're now disclosing information to you that you didn't have before. And it's almost a certainty that the offer they're making you is not the maximum offer they're willing to extend because most companies leave room to negotiate. And so what that means is when they make that offer, you should counteroffer. And my advice is to counteroffer somewhere between 10 and 20% above their offer. And where you are in that range really depends on a couple of factors, but it's basically, you know, how badly do you think that they need to fill this position and how good a fit are you for the position? And then kind of on your side, how interested are you in doing that particular job? So if those things kind of work in your favor, then you're going to be countering closer to 20% above their offer. And if they're not, then you counter closer to 10, but I recommend countering a minimum of 10% above their offer. I would guess to say that most people don't counter offer on something like this and really you have nothing to lose because if they give you an offer, if they're interested in hiring you, I mean, there's no doubt about it. They wouldn't have given you an offer. So if you make a counter offer, they're either going to be thinking about, okay, we really want this person. They're making a counter offer. So through, they're going to say yes to the counter offer. Maybe they'll come back with something higher than their initial offer that, you know, maybe in between, or the worst case scenario is they're going to say, sorry, we have to stick with where we're at. And then you can make a decision. But I mean, it's not like they're going to walk away just because you're making a counteroffer. So I think that this is something that is really, really missed by people. It's, it's an easy way to maybe increase your salary, even with your promotion at a current company. We're going to get into talking about that a little bit next. It's not just necessarily a new job, but you can ask for more and you know not necessarily be afraid. 
That's absolutely true. And also you'll notice, you know, one thing that I spent a lot of time thinking about when I wrote the book was this 10, 10 to 20% range. I rewrote that chapter, how to negotiate your new salary three different times, top to bottom. And that's the longest chapter in the book, I think. And something I was really thinking very deeply about is that 10 to 20% range. And the reason I landed there with the criteria that I mentioned is if you counter offer 10% above a company's offer. So let's use round numbers here. We'll say their offer is $100,000 and you counter at 110. You can feel intuitively that's just not a very big counteroffer. It's not enough to blow the doors off. It's not going to scare them off. Worst case, like you said, is they say, no, we're, we're going to stick to 100. Most likely they're going to come back somewhere between that 100 and 110. You might counter bigger, 20% above, which would be 120 on a 100 offer. But the reason you would do that is that you sense that you're a great fit for the role. They need you to do this job. You're going to add a lot of value to the company. And you're also comfortable if things don't work out with the company or if they come back to you at a lower salary. So you're calibrating your counteroffer even, its size based on your read of the situation at the company and the opportunity. So I have never worked with anyone. I've not seen somebody have a job offer pulled because they counteroffered, which I know is a very uh, something that concerns a lot of people. If I counter, what if they pull the offer? I've never seen it happen. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I've never seen it happen. It's extremely unlikely. And I've built this range of 10 to 20% specifically to keep within a range that would be comfortable to everybody that is negotiating. All right. So we're going to transition now and talk a little bit about trying to get a raise as with your existing company. But before we do that, I just want to mention that Josh is going to stick around with me after this segment for the Take Action Today segment. And we're going to answer a question from one of our engineering mastermind community members about determining your value. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the tools that Josh is making available to our listeners to help you estimate your value and some other items. But I just want to let you know about that because that's coming up in the next segment as well. So Josh, let's get into this idea of promotions. Every engineer, at least most engineers, have an annual review where they go and they sit down with their supervisors and they look at their, you know, they fill out a sheet and they go through the sheet and a lot of times they'll get a very typical raise. So why don't we talk a little bit about that process and what the managers are thinking and how maybe we can help some of the listeners to maximize their raises and promotions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really important. As fun as it is to talk about, you know, counter offers and salary negotiation, the, the bottom line is that most people listening to this, this podcast, but also kind of in general, are probably at a job that they're going to be at for a while. And they're not thinking about how to negotiate a new salary somewhere else. They're thinking about how to continue making progress in their current role at their current company. And so with promotions and raises, I talk about them together and separately kind of, but here I think it's easier to talk about them separately. So for a promotion, if you have a job in mind that you want to pursue, I think a lot of people think that they'll go into that annual review and they'll sit down and they'll get a good review. You know, usually it's a, like a five point scale that they're on. Maybe they get a four or they really hit the ball out of the park and they get a five. And then the manager's going to say, hey, you've done really well. We'd love to promote you. Or they're going to say, you know what, you have a lot of potential. We want you to be promoted so that you can kind of grow into that potential. But the reality is that's just kind of not how promotions work. And I have this from my own experience as a hiring manager, as somebody who's been promoted, and as some, you know, I've talked to a lot of managers who promote people. What they're really thinking is, who do I have on my team right now who's doing this role that I need to promote someone into? So I have a need. I have a senior role that needs to be filled. Who's already doing that job? So my whole method for thinking about promotions is really to find your target job. What job do you want to be promoted to? And that could be on your current career path, you know, one above you, the senior version of your role, or maybe even somewhere else in the company. But understand what that role is, what the responsibilities are for it, and then spend some time determining how it is that you can achieve those things that the job requires 
And then you take that to your manager and say, hey, look, I looked into this job. I think I'm a great fit for it. I'm already doing the things that are required for the job. What can we do to make this official? And that's a lot more attractive, I think, to a manager to say, wow, this person is already doing the job they're asking about. I really don't have any reason not to promote them. That's like an easy, not easy, but you're in a position to more easily be promoted, obviously, if you're there and you have all the knowledge and the skills and you've been doing it. And that's important to know because Josh just told you what their mindset is and what they're thinking, which isn't always obvious. You have to understand that you have a little bit of an advantage as opposed to them hiring someone outside because of all of the skills and experience that you have. Right, Josh? That's totally accurate. I think your you know, IP or the, the, what you know about your company and the way it operates, it's expensive to hire people. It's really expensive to hire people. And I think it, it makes a huge impression on managers. This kind of goes back even when I mentioned uh, my interviewing strategy, which is to, to find empathy and to understand what their goals are. You're doing the same thing with, with promotions as you're saying, you know, this is something the company is trying to achieve. So I'm going to go ahead and just do the things required to help them achieve it and then bring it to their attention. And we'll ask to, to make this promotion official. So I think, you know, looking at it from the manager's side of the table, from the company side of the table makes a lot more sense and will help it make it a lot more obvious what you need to do specifically to get promoted instead of kind of hanging back and just hoping that you get promoted and that something like that comes to you. Right. And that's important to take that action. And again, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more too about taking action here today, but this is something that everyone can do out there. You have some kind of skill, you have some kind of knowledge, you've got to exercise it, you've got to use it. Josh, one of the things you talk about in your book, Fearless Salary Negotiation, is when you're going for these promotions and when you want to go approach your boss or supervisor for a promotion, you talk about making a good case for yourself, showing them what you've accomplished, presenting that to them in a certain way. And I think that that's important because yes, you might have a lot of skills and experience like we just talked about, and you have a little bit of a leg up as opposed to them hiring someone else. That being said, if you want a promotion, if you want to raise and you think you deserve it, you've got to put together some kind of a package or some kind of data to show that, to justify it, and then bring it to someone as opposed to just saying, I've been here for a long time. I deserve a raise. I'm going to go ask for it because you're not going to get results like that. So just keep that in mind when you're going for your annual review. And we've done some work like this in our mastermind group where We've put out some sample templates and things like that of what you can use to present to your boss in your yearly review just to show that you do deserve a raise. You do deserve a promotion. If you're going to counteroffer when they give you a, a typical raise, why are you making that counteroffer? Why do you deserve it? And Because they're going to have to probably justify it to someone else, and you need to understand that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think the last thing that you said is the, is the key there, which is in my book, my method is that I recommend that you build your case you verbally make your request to your manager. And that could be in your annual review. It could also be an off-cycle raise or promotion, which is also a great opportunity to sometimes get a bigger bump in terms of salary than you would in the normal cycle because you're not competing with the, a budget that's split. Lots and lots of ways for everybody to get a little raise. You can sometimes uh, dip into a different budget and get a bigger raise if you do an off-cycle request. But building that case with what I... The, the three main components are your, your target, what's your goal, and then your accomplishments, the things that you've done to add value... And then accolades is the other component, or some people might call that social proof, which is to kind of let your manager know like, hey, this client sent this note to me saying that I did a really great job on this project, or this coworker said they really liked working with me. And I have that, you know, this email right here. It's nothing complicated, but it's a way of kind of signaling to your manager that you may not have noticed all of the things that I've been doing, but other people have, and here's what they've noticed too. So I think it is important to make that case. 
and then deliver it verbally. And then I like to also deliver the case after the verbal request or conversation in email. And that's one of the things that's available uh, to your listeners today is a template for that email for the raise. But the email is really not for your manager. It's for whoever your manager needs to talk to to get your raise approved. And so that way you're allowing your manager to pass along your written case, which you're going to make your case better than anybody else at the end of the day. And so you're passing that written request on to your manager after your verbal request. And that way they can say, hey, finance or director or practice director, whoever they need to go to for approval, I think Josh should be considered for a raise. He's asking for 10%. I think that's reasonable. And I'm passing along this you know, written case that he's made that kind of illustrates all the value that he's adding that we should recognize. And I think it makes it a lot easier for that process to kind of move smoothly. All right. So we got some great points from Josh here. Let me recap these and then we're going to jump into our take action today segment and talk a little bit about how you value yourself. So we talked about interviewing for new positions, understanding the way these prospective companies are thinking. We talked about if you're asked for a specific number of what salary you're looking for to avoid at all costs, giving that number. Instead, tell them that you want to focus on the value you could provide as opposed to your past. And if you get really squeezed, maybe give them the opportunity to give you a range and, and comment on it. That could be one good way to uh, diffuse that a bit. You also want to always make a counteroffer, whether it's 10 to 20%. And again, Josh has some information on that in his book, Fearless Salary Negotiation, which we'll link to in our show notes here. But that's important because like we said, they're not going to retract an offer most likely. Josh has never seen it in all his work with negotiating. I've never seen it in hiring people because typically if you extend an offer, you want that person. So make a counter offer and most likely they'll do something. They'll come up a little bit. And if they don't, you're going to get at least an offer that the original offer. Then we got into promotions and raises within your own company a little bit. Talked about understanding the way your managers are thinking, that they're going to rather promote someone that they're comfortable with, that knows their system and their specifications as opposed to going out and hiring. But that being said, you can't just expect to be getting a sizable raise or a promotion. You need to request it. You need to give backup on why you should receive it. And Josh recommended doing it both verbally and in an email. And he has a template that he's going to offer us up here shortly in our next segment that you can use to do that, to reinforce it and to make it easier for your boss to go and get approval from his or her boss. So with that, let's jump into the Take Action Today segment and round this one out. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where we try to give you some actionable advice from our topic today, which is salary negotiation. And Josh Duty is going to stick here with me and he's going to answer a question from one of our engineering mastermind community members. And he's also going to talk about some tools and templates he's making available just for our listeners of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. But before I let Josh jump in here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. Engineers ask me all the time what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEPE or SE exam. Hands down, I always recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I also recently had the chance to demo their review courses online. It's why I feel so confident about recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at PPITopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH 
for a 20% discount. So the question that we have here comes from one of our members who started off doing more land surveying as opposed to engineering and ended up getting her engineering degree when she was in her 40s after 15 years of already working. So her question is, how do I determine my value? Because you know it's not exactly something I can look up on like salary.com or something like that. There's got to be something I could do. So Josh, I'd ask you if there's any light you can shed on that question, that'd be great. And then maybe give a couple pointers in general about valuation. Sure. That's a really interesting question. Uh, I think uh, you and I were talking earlier before we recorded and I said, I don't think I've heard that one before. So I've been kind of mulling it over as we talked here today. I think the first place to start is actually with something like salary.com or payscale.com because you need a baseline of some sort. So maybe you have a lot of experience in the past. Your engineering degree came a little bit later in your career, but you do still have that engineering degree. And there is some sort of baseline that you can find that will tell you, you know, about what someone with that degree in the industry that you're pursuing would make. Then I think that you would adjust that based on your prior experience. So if you've got 15 or 20 years of experience in, in an industry, especially if you're staying within the industry and you got a, a degree to augment your experience in that industry, then you've got a lot of experience working with clients, maybe working with the processes in the industry that people who are, for example, right out of college that just got an engineering degree right away won't have. And so I think that you need to adjust your market value that you find on those public websites for your industry to account for everything that you bring to the table that isn't or that is unique to you and your skill set that is not available to people who just came out of college. That's something that may happen for some of you. I know that we have a lot of listeners that started on this career path a little bit later in life. But Josh, how about just in general, if you're trying to come up with what you're worth, is there anything that you recommend? I mean, I know you said you're going to make a, I think a template sheet available. Is that right? That's right. So I'm actually making two things available for that purpose. One of them is a guide, which is actually a chapter for my book on how to estimate your market value. So it walks you through it step by step. And I'm also providing a worksheet that you can use. It's a simple spreadsheet that I built that will help you kind of take the data that you find, do some rough calculations and, and come up with an estimate. So the method that I use, and it's been pretty effective for myself and other people, is it's a three-tier method, and I like to start big picture and then zoom in. So you start by, like I said um, just a minute ago, looking at publicly available data for salaries in your industry. So payscale.com, glassdoor.com, salary.com, sites like that. Or if there's an industry-specific one for your industry, obviously you'd want to lean on that. And just try and get a basic ballpark idea of what your skill set and experience is worth in that industry. And then you begin to kind of refine. You look at maybe your geographic region or the particular part of the industry that you're working in. See if you can figure out what companies in your area of expertise are paying people to do that work. Especially if you're later in your career, you've probably met people at trade shows, at conferences. You've worked at several different companies. So you've got people that you can call and you can ask them questions about what people in the role that you're pursuing are making at their company. If you happen to know people who are doing that job, that's really useful. A little tangent, a question that I like to ask people, if you'd like to know what their salary is, but you don't want to ask them directly, is you can ask them hypothetically. If someone with your skill set and experience were hired at your company today, what do you think that they would be hired in at, right? And so people are usually a little bit more open there. So once you figure out sort of what the companies in the area in your geographic region might be paying, then you can try and do some research and figure out what the specific company that you work at or that you're looking for a job at might be paying people using the same techniques. And you can aggregate all that data to get a really good sense of this is probably a good dollar amount value for this job at this company 
with my skill set and experience in this industry. So that's kind of my method in a nutshell is global and industry-wide and then local geographically and then at the specific company if you can get that data. That's awesome. And Josh has been really nice to be able to make this information available and this spreadsheet available. You can find it at fearlesssalarynegotiation.com forward slash engineering CC. Again, that's fearlesssalarynegotiation.com forward slash engineering CC. I hope you enjoyed this episode on salary negotiation. Josh, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing some of your thoughts with the audience. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. You can go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash negotiation, which you'll find a summary of today's episode with all of the main points that Josh discussed. You'll also find links to all of the resources that he talked about, his book, his special offer for our listeners, and some of the other resources that he might have mentioned, other websites, et cetera. And please, we want to hear from you. So if you go to that post at, again, engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash negotiation, and you leave a note in the comments, we'll make sure to share the page with Josh and Josh can comment and I can comment and then we can kind of help you to increase your salary. I mean, this is a big deal. This is not something like Josh said, this may not be a huge deal for your company that's giving you a few extra percent, but it can make a big impact on your life on, you know, maybe making some car payments that you wanted to make or some student loans or whatever the case may be. It's a big one. So again, we'll monitor all comments and we will respond. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.